Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canude. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from the president and co-founder of Prairie Fava, Haley Jeffries. Also, President of Canada Beef, Michael Young, will join us on today's Prairie Eggwire. Up first in today's country comment, I'll chat with Remy Goslin with the Canadian Grain Commission and talk about changes on the way for this coming year. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is Remy Goslin with the Canadian Grain Commission to talk about some changes coming for the 2022-23 crop year. So starting July 1st um, in Eastern Canada and August 1st uh, in Western Canada, uh, declarations of eligibility at uh, the time of delivery uh, will be required uh, across uh, the country. Now, in Western Canada, that requirement is not new, but in Eastern Canada, it is. Uh, we've been working with Eastern Canadian producers to introduce declarations for the last uh, couple years. Now, what's different uh, for Western producers is that only grains subject to variety registration uh, based on quality considerations will now require a declaration. So that's, that's, a, that's a change for producers, and we want to make sure that they're aware of that. This was something that was brought up uh, during some consultations? Yes, it was. Uh, we had the opportunity to meet with uh, Eastern Canadian producers in industry and also had high-level discussions with uh, Western farm groups as well as Western industry. And uh, what we heard in terms of feedback is that um, the quality uh, assurance uh, uh, considerations should only apply to certain grains for which quality parameters apply when variety uh, varieties are registered. Uh, so we heard that loud and clear, and we we're rolling back some of the requirements uh, in terms of which grains are covered by the declarations. Yeah, and Remy, I guess just talk a bit more about the I guess the just the overall purpose, you know, of these declarations and and how that relates to um, the Kuzma Agreement. So uh, in 2019, the government of Canada or 18, sorry, the government of Canada. Um, concluded uh, negotiations with the U.S. and Mexico. Um, uh, the treatment of U.S. producers in Canada was a major trade irritant that was addressed by uh, allowing producers from the U.S. who deliver grain into Canada uh, to get a Canadian grade name when delivering. Um, and uh, as part of that process to protect the quality assurance system in Canada, declarations were also introduced. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why uh, declarations have been um uh, an item of discussion with producers over the last couple of years, uh, but it's important to, to highlight that um, uh, these uh, requirements apply to U.S. producers as well as Canadian producers, and, and, and the fundamental reason for them being in place is to protect our quality assurance system, because of course the U.S. Uh, producers don't have uh, a variety registration system like we do here in Canada. All right. Any any other changes uh, coming for this year? Or? There will be more uh, grading changes. Uh, we'll be making some announcements uh, in the uh, coming weeks on that. That was Remy Goslin with the Canadian Grain Commission. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. The Canadian Grain Commission says Canadian producers will see changes to grain delivery declarations for the 2022-23 crop year. Starting July 1st in Eastern Canada and August 1st in Western Canada, declarations of eligibility will be required across the country. Only grain subject to variety registration based on quality considerations will require a declaration. As a result, certain grains will no longer need to be declared under regulation. 
The Canadian Grain Commission is making the change after consultations with stakeholders. Previously, the declaration of eligibility requirement applied to all grains regulated by virtue of the Canada Grain Act and only applied to Western Canada. American producers who deliver grain in Canada have the same obligations as Canadian producers and will also be required to sign the Declaration of Eligibility. This week, Protein Industries Canada made an announcement that will focus on sunflower seed protein. CEO Bill Gruel talked about the project. There's two companies here. One is uh, is based out of Winnipeg, Burkon Nutriscience. They've developed a lot of really exciting technology around the extraction of protein from crops. They actually do a lot of work with merit functional foods. The other company is called Purcell Fine Foods. They're based out of Waterford, Ontario. Their primary function is processing of sunflower seeds and canola and a a number of different products that they sell as ingredients into food production. Protein Industries Canada is contributing $250,000 and the partners are contributing the remainder of the $973,000 cost. And retired University of Manitoba professor Dr. Don Flayton was a keynote speaker earlier this month at Keystone Agricultural Producers Spring Meeting. He talked about improving the odds of success with high-priced fertilizer. We've had tremendous increases in commodity prices. Crop prices have increased have increased dramatically over the last uh, 12 months, and so have the um, input prices like uh, phosphate fertilizer, nitrogen fertilizer. And, and these have increased the um, rewards for proper fertilization, but they've increased the penalties for over-fertilizing. So things are getting a little bit riskier in terms of the overall uh, picture. Flayton advises farmers to follow the 4R Nutrient Stewardship Program for maximum results. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Thursday, April 28th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from Michael Young, President of Canada Beef. Canada Beef has plans to use $3.6 million in eligible funds from the Agri-Marketing Program under CAP to promote Canadian beef and veal exports globally. Glendalee Allen Vossler talked with the President of Canada Beef, Michael Young, to talk about our export program and how the funding will be used. Now, Michael, what we wanted to focus in on is the fact that Canada Beef is receiving some funding from the Agri-Marketing Program under CAP. Can you fill us in? Tell us a little bit about the funding and how it's going to be used. Oh, absolutely. So the CAP funding is, first of all, a tremendous support. Uh, from the federal government, and it's not it's not written to us as a check. It, we need to, um, first of all, submit a plan as to where, where we're going to invest this and what works. It can only be used in the export marketplace, so very important to to our growth since we you know we export over forty percent of our products. Um, so they don't just write you a check. They um, we've applied for an amount based on the plan on the table and the markets that we're going to target. If we then can invest in those markets, uh, we then submit um, a report for the eligible expenses, and then that will be covered 50-50 out of that 3.6. So we need to spend it to get it. So we basically leverage, we're going to leverage checkoff funding with, um, with this CAP funding, um, you know, to initiate, you know, programs and services and maintain a, a beef-branded presence in the export marketplace. So talk to us a little bit about our export situation today. Uh, sure. So, again, we, we export 
over 40% of our production. Um, we're in close to, well, we're, we're into close to 80 markets, but really the majority of it would go to what we call our top 10 markets. And, and those would include, so the USA would be our largest, but then Japan is our second largest market. Mexico is our third. Vietnam has moved into our fourth. Uh, South Korea has moved into our fifth. And, uh, and then, of course, Hong Kong has fallen off a little, uh, but it's still not affected by the restrictions we're currently seeing in China. And then we've got Saudi Arabia, Taiwan, and then China is just hanging on, but we expect that to fall off with the restrictions. So those are the key markets that we target. We have also have opportunity for areas that are outside of those, those key markets, and that would be opportunities like large food shows that are considered global. So there's two of them that we particularly attend. Uh, one is CL, which is in Paris, uh, every two years. And then the other one is Anuga, which is in Germany, every two years. And the way we set that up is we, we partner with our friends uh, in the pork sector with Canada Pork. And, you know, we put together a rather, a rather large booth uh, at that show. And then we open it up to uh, export partners and clients to then join us within that show. So those shows uh, typically bring in buyers from all over the world. So that's why they're not specific to the EU. They're, they're global shows. So they're very important. Um, the other main areas that we'll invest the funding is, is direct retail and food service uh, sales promotions. So actual promotion of Canadian beef and Canadian beef products in those targeted markets in, in, in the ones that I identified. So um, we use that money to, to fund those promotions. And the promotion itself would could include uh, point-of-purchase material, uh, branding information, uh, graphics, things like that that would support the brand. So it's important for us to, um, you know, to promote Canadian beef as it's sold and where it's sold. And quite often, a lot of the countries we're in have country of origin labeling requirements so that you know, consumers halfway around the world will know that they're enjoying Canadian beef. So we just work within that process to to make it quite a bit more visible. Are there other export markets that you want to tap into? And if so, where are those? So again, we've identified the majority of them. There are always, there are always opportunities that emerge um, that are, uh, you know, specific to, you know, what we call uh, our clients. So, um, you know, a client would a client for us would be you know the meat processors in Canada or their associations or agents abroad who do the actual importation and distribution of the product. So, you know, we've identified the top ten markets, which everybody knows. But there are opportunities that present themselves, especially when you do a plan in advance. So there are opportunities that present themselves based on a lot of factors that are quite variable you know you look at uh, what's happening politically geopolitically and and that so so yes we are set up to uh, to operate in a, in a market that may present it's an opportunity for one of our clients so one of our meat processors may have a huge opportunity uh, in a specific market uh, that's not identified in the top 10 or the top 15 even but it's still important business for canadian beef so we do have the ability to adapt programming to suit the needs of that client or, and, and when I say the needs of that client, we also do generic promotion. So the cap funding typically is, is, uh, is designed for generic type promotion. So uh, that means that we don't put any brand, any Canadian brand ahead of any other Canadian brand. It's simply Canadian beef. 
so that's an important note too regarding cap funding. It's it's generic promotion of Canadian beef abroad. That being said, you did mention a plan. Tell us a little bit more about that, if you will. So the plan that you referenced is essentially, uh, you know, a marketing plan that we submit. Within that, it includes targeted markets, but also tactics, which would include, you know, attendance and trade shows, development of, of point-of-purchase materials that support the brand, but also different resources that help to communicate either business-to-business or business-to-consumer. And that's probably something I should have mentioned. There's a difference. You know, so we create resources that support that brand promise, um, kind of geared to a business. You know, does a business need to hear about what they're buying from Canada? And also a different way of a different conversation is what do what do we want to say to to that to that client's customer? So it's a consumer's point of view. So you really do need to produce resources and assets that speak to both sides of that. You know, so that's an important part of it too, and that's included in our plan. So when we're talking about this and and the plan ahead, what kind of an impact does this have for producers back on the ranch? So the the, the you know the, the return on investment for the Canadian government and for producers and processors throughout the entire distribution chain is really establishing uh, and building the brand awareness for Canadian beef. And it's important that um, that that this work is done because that brand awareness, that that trust, that security is something that must be earned. So that's why it's really important we focus in on that Canadian beef brand, the brand promise, the value proposition that the Canadian beef brings to the table. And that's where we focus in on a lot of uh, resources that talk about what does Canada do? You know, the genetics we use, the nutritional inputs we use, the grading system that it, it ultimately determines the product quality. And that that's what allows us to put the right product into the right market segment to represent the best value. We produce product that fits within the top of the market or the luxury category. So it's really important for us to build that brand equity and to to increase the awareness of of that value beyond the box, that box price. What are you getting in every single pound or kilo of Canadian beef? And in the end, it puts more money in producer pockets. Exactly. So, you know, export contribution represents um, $700 per head right now. Um, that that will vary. That will um, that will vary from from market to market. That's Michael Young, the president of Canada Beef. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email: thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Bossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening, and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. A workshop entitled Start Your Grazing Plan will be held May 3rd at the Brookdale Farm north of Brandon. Register on the Manitoba Beef and Forage Initiative website. Another workshop will be held May 5th at the Ericsdale Community Centre. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada has established an e-commerce resource hub where Canadian agri-food companies can access resources to take advantage of global opportunities to sell products online. The sessions begin May 4th and conclude on June 6th. Each week covers a different topic. You can register on the Manitoba Agriculture website. The 2022 Spring Farmers Market Coordinator Gathering is being planned for May 13th in Winnipeg. The gathering will include workshops, lunch, solution mill, as well as time to connect with fellow coordinators 
Get all the details with Direct Farm Manitoba. And Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is putting on a Fence and Water Solutions Workshop June 1st. The cost, $30. You can register on the MFGA website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon, Glenborough-based Prairie Fava, the leading Canadian fava bean ingredient supplier, is joining forces with Big Mountain Foods, an award-winning innovator of plant-based consumer packaged goods foods, to create a new line of fava-based food products, such as non-allergen tofu. The project is being co-invested in by Protein Industries Canada. Haley Jeffries is president and co-founder of Prairie Fava. Thank you so much, Protein Industry Canada. I am so appreciative and humbled um, by your continued support and belief in Prairie Fava. This funding um, shows that. And what an honor to work with uh, Big Mountain Foods. Um, They're an absolute incredible company. As Fava is relatively new for consumers and for the food industry, we are so excited to partner with Big Mountain Foods to commercialize um, new products, new innovative products, especially seeing this first soy-free fava tofu, and it tastes phenomenal. Um, Big Mountain Foods, you're very successful. You're a trusted brand with high-level consumer loyalty, which is shown by your numerous awards and um, that you have received. Through the introduction of further Big Mountain Foods um, products into the marketplace, the taste, the health profile, the versatility and sustainability features, Fava will definitely shine. Prairie Fava was established in 2014 as a manufacturer focused only on Fava as a whole food ingredient. We supply whole Fava beans, dehauled Fava beans, and Fava flour. So why did we decide to focus on Fava? Well, I always had a passion for health and it was fueled in part by my mother's cancer diagnosis. While seeking out alternative proteins for her, I realized fava was underdeveloped and underutilized in consumer segments. I also learned that fava beans meet this need for numerous food and health consumer trends, including being free of allergens, non-GMO, gluten-free, very high protein and high in fiber, and it's naturally light in flavor profile. My first marketing disruption was calling my company Prairie Fava with a V, Fava is used by the food industry as fava, but many farmers were very confused, including my father-in-law. Well, they call it fava with a B. We established Prairie Fava in 2014 and purchased our first pieces of equipment in 2015. We all know the world needs more and wants more high-quality plant-based protein sources. Canadian farmers are known for their production of high-quality nutritious protein crops. At Prairie Fava, we are directly linked with my husband's fifth generation farm and family seed business. This gives us control over our fava supply and traceability, which makes it even more attractive for food companies seeking fava, which is also one of the most sustainable crops available to growers as it's one of the highest nitrogen fixing crops. The integration has been part of our pathway to success in this exciting partnership with Big Mountain Foods Like all crops, different fava varieties can have different characteristics depending upon their genetics and growing conditions. These characteristics can impact food formulation. We want to learn more about our varieties so we can provide data on nutritional, functional, and sensory properties to Big Mountain Foods and their products. Through this PIC-supported research, we learn more about fava bean flour and splits with these different varieties. PIC funding has also will can and, and will also be instrumental to moving our processing and food research forward much more rapidly. 
As a young company, the ability to gain competitive advantage in the plant-based market is so important and protein industry network and expertise to assist Prairie Fava with all aspects of our product development from basic research through commercialization. We have made progress since inception. So there are so many organizations and people that have made um, our success possible. And to name a few, Mavis McRae of Prairie Research Kitchen, who has assisted us since I brought my first bag of fava beans to Red River College in Winnipeg. Lisa Campbell of Protein Industry Canada, who is managing both of our pick projects. Lisa introduced us to Big Mountain Foods and they say the rest is plant-based history. I want to express my gratitude to my partner in life and business, Kale, who, who's my leadership in his family's fifth generation seed business, who brought us back to Glenborough, Manitoba, where I was able to leverage this passion for health and marketing by founding Prairie Fava. And to the next generation of fabulous employees, our son, Owen, who will be training soon on all aspects of Fava. With the support of all our partners and now this great opportunity to work with Big Mountain Foods, I have no doubt that Fava will be the game changer in the world of plant-based protein. Once again, thank you to PIC. Your support and belief in Prairie Fava is important to our growth and success. That was Haley Jeffrey. She's the president and co-founder of Prairie Fava based in Glenborough, Manitoba. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. While crop prices have increased dramatically over the past 12 months, so have input prices. Retired U of M professor Dr. Don Flayton says this has increased the rewards for proper fertilization. However, it's also increased the penalties for over-fertilizing. In order to straddle those risks of either over-fertilizing and wasting money on fertilizer or under-fertilizing and, and not capturing your yield potential, we're trying to just reinforce, help people to fine-tune with what we call extra careful you know, application of agronomy in general and, of course, nutrient management. This comes back to the strategy we've been talking about for several years now, the 4R Nutrient Stewardship Program. It's just more important than ever in looking at the right rate, source, time, and placement of fertilizer. Flayton spoke earlier this month at CAP Spring Advisory Council meeting. Burke on Nutriscience and Pristine Gourmet with a co-investment from Protein Industries Canada are joining forces to leverage Canada's supply of sunflower seeds in a project that will determine how best to extract as much protein as possible. Bill Gruel is CEO of Protein Industries Canada. You know, sunflower, it's been, it's been this chicken and egg crop in Canada, right? Like we, we want to produce it, but the processing isn't here. And so we, we tried to increase the number of production acres in hopes of getting processing. I think this is an opportunity if we develop a really good value proposition around the extraction of sunflower protein, that we can increase the amount of processing and therefore support production. Protein Industries Canada is contributing $250,000 and the partners are putting in the remainder of the $973,000 cost. And yesterday, Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food Marie-Claude Bebo announced an investment of up to $1.9 million to help the Canadian Food Innovation Network develop a digital food innovation hub. This will enhance connectivity among players in Canada's food innovation ecosystem. Funding is being provided through the Canadian Agricultural Strategic Priorities Program. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll have some safety tips as we head towards spring seeding. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon.
Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.